Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just declare right now, Lord, in this house, before your people, your excellence. Lord, you are excellent in power, excellent in majesty, excellence in glory. Lord, we just declare hallelujah. We declare hallelujah to name, Lord. Praise be unto you, Lord, in this house, Lord. Every mind and our heart, Lord, is fixed on you right now. Lord, because of your goodness, because of your mercy. Lord, I thank you, Lord, as we heard in communion, Lord, there was no hope without you. Lord, there was nothing for us, Lord, but in your great mercy and your love, Lord, you've drawn us, you've brought us by the blood. Lord, thank you for the blood. Lord, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for all that you're doing here. Lord, we bless you. We bless your name. We lift you, Lord Jesus. We lift you on high. Be glorified in this house, Lord. Be glorified. Be glorified in our lives, Lord. Use us, Lord, to glorify your name. Or to show those in a broken and lost world who you are. Lord, use us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> well, good morning, church. And uh, I want to welcome those who are new. couple of new faces. We want to welcome you here today. I, uh, I want to look at in the book of uh, Genesis to begin with. So if you could turn with me to Genesis, we're going to look at chapter 15. Lord, I, I need your strength today. And so bring your word, I need your anointing, Lord. Everything, Lord, that I need to minister, it comes from you, Lord. So I'm asking you, Lord, you would release the fullness of your spirit over me now to bring your word. Lord, I thank you, it is, Lord, your word. It's your word that cleanses us, Lord. It's your word that cleanses the church. Lord, do a cleansing work, Lord. Transform us here this morning through the power of your word. Lord, lift people up, Lord are low. Deliver those, Lord, that need breakthrough. All through your word, Lord. Anoint this message, I pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to read uh, a little bit from chapter 15, 16, 17, and 18. So just follow with me. Beginning in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 15. This is referring to the promise that God had given to Abraham. He gave him a number of promises, but particularly the promise of children. That's important to know. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eli." Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for 
righteousness. Chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children from her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord, the Lord judged between you and me. Chapter 17, verse 4, one verse. This is a promise that is, again, reaffirmed to Abram. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, referring to Abraham, and you shall be a father of many nations. And then chapter 18, verse 10 to 15. And he said, that's God, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham said, uh, now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. For she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. <laughs> so, we see the promise that God had given initially to Abram. That, look, I'm going to give you a child. It's, it's going to be from your own person. It's going to become come forth from you and Sarah. That was the promise of God. And, and Abram believed him. And it says it was, it was accounted to him for righteousness. But then later on, after that promise was given, in, um, in chapter 16, there was uh, doubt from Sarah. It said, See now the Lord has restrained me from childbearing children. Please go into my maid, etc., etc. So there's this point in now Sarah's life. She's got the promise. It's Abraham's promise that they're going to have children. Now Sarah... In her, in her doubt and unbelief, has said, well, it's not going to happen. I don't see this promise being fulfilled. Let's just do something about it. Let's, let's help God. Let's get a move on with this thing. You go into my, uh, you go into Hagar, which was the, the servant, which was custom for that day. And uh, we'll have a child that way. And I'll take the child and we'll just call that the promise of God. And... Uh, so that, to begin with, Sarah had already lied because she said, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. So that, that doubt became, and it was established from a lie because God had already said that you are going to bear children. So first thing, and I'm looking at Sarah today to begin with, there was unbelief. Then, she, then in 17 verse 4, that was a promise reaffirmed. So again, God comes in his mercy, even though Ishmael was born to Hagar with Abraham, he reaffirms the promise that, no, you are going to have children. It's going to be supernatural. It's my promise to you, Abraham. 
and I will do it. Just let me be God and trust in me. And then in chapter 18, we see that God comes to Abraham and basically he, he reaffirms again what's going to happen. And, and Sarah now, again, she's in doubt and she lies to God as well. You imagine that having a conversation with God and basically lying to God. She says, uh, God said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? He's referring to the conversation that took place with Abraham that he's going to have these children, this, this child, and that the nation's going to be blessed through that. Sarah laughed, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. So Sarah's life, to begin with, although she had the promises of God, there was still failings on her behalf. There was still times where she was in unbelief. There was times where she was in doubt. And there's an instance there that I just read out that she actually lied straight to God's face. And my message today is, is you're not a failure. See, Sarah had failed in a number of ways. And, you know, you and I, we, we've, we've made mistakes. Maybe it's before we were saved. Maybe it's after we saved. But we've, we've made mistakes. And we may go on to make mistakes in the future. But how we deal with those mistakes is actually going to be the determining factor whether we are paralyzed in this life or not. Because in, in Hebrews 12... And it's in verse 1. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and, and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So these things, one of the things it says is, is sin, but one of it is lay aside every weight. And a weight is something that's unnecessary, something that we, we don't actually need to carry. It's something that weighs us down in this life. And that could be a number of different things, that's broadly speaking. But, but one of them is, is actually seeing our lives before God as a failure. And that's one thing that will actually stop us moving into God's will and it will stop us moving into God's plan in all that He has for us because seeing our life is a failure, and looking back at the mistakes that we've made will paralyze us, and we will stop moving forward. But, you know, how you see yourself, how you see your past mistakes, is, is not how God sees us at all. See, He sees us completely different. In Hebrews 8.12, this, this refers to the covenant in, 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 um, starting in verse 7. This is the new covenant that God was going to make with the people from Jesus onwards. It was the new covenant. We know we, we celebrate communion. We, ce we celebrate the new covenant that God is going to save us. It's going to be through Jesus, through his blood, and our sins are going to be forgiven. And he says in verse 7 of Hebrews 8, For if that first covenant, that's referring to the old covenant in the Old Testament, had been faultless, there no 
then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And that goes on for us as well. Uh, Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them." Verse 12, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Hallelujah. That, that scripture, that, that passage is, is contrasting to the old covenant. See, the old covenant, when God gave that through Moses, it was, it was basically you do. If you, so forth, then God does. That was the old way, the old covenant before Jesus. We are now in Christ. And the new covenant that Jesus has made, that God's made with Jesus, it's I will. He will. God says, I will do it. He says in verse 12, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So if God says he remembers our sins no more, yes, that's when we come to Christ and we're saved. But I believe that as we go on, he remembers our sins no more. He says he's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west, the past the present and the future sins. So if God says there, I will remember their sins no more, maybe some of you, why are you remembering your past mistakes and failings in the past? Because God doesn't remember them. He, do, he doesn't, he chooses not to remember them. It's not like he forgets, but it, I believe he chooses not to remember those sins. He doesn't hold them because of what Jesus has done and you're in him. He chooses not to remember them. He chooses not to see you in those mistakes because today, you can be here today and you actually, you're, you're bound and you're held by your past and you just can't move forward because of maybe that thing that was done to you or, or the thing that you've done yourself and maybe there's, you've just carried condemnation and guilt and shame and you can't get past, and you can't move on to God where, where God wants you to be because you're stuck and you're paralyzed in that place. But I want to say that God doesn't see you. He doesn't see you as a failure. He sees Christ in you. He sees you as a child, as, a, as his son or daughter. He sees you and loves you just as much as he sees his only son, Jesus. And so it's important for us to know that because he chooses not to remember. See, the, the guilt that we may be facing over something that we've done in the past. Jesus has dealt with. He's paid the price for our guilt. He's dealt with that. His, the shame, maybe, that you're facing today, he's taken it upon himself. We don't actually have to hold, we don't have to actually live in that today because he's taken it. The condemnation, that's all been erased. Now, we don't have to no longer live in any condemnation like they did in the Old Testament because we are in the new. It says in Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See, we can be in a place sometimes where, you know, given maybe, like I said, something that's been done to us, or particularly something that we've done in the past that's sort of haunting us and plaguing us, which which is sort of like this, 
this, this dark cloud over our lives that we walk under. It's something sometimes the enemy does. It's sometimes something we do ourselves. Psalm 66 verse 18, it says, it's, it's an unknown author, but the psalmist writes that uh, if, I re- if I regard iniquity or sin, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now, there's a couple of interpretations for that. The first one is obvious. If I have sin unconfessed in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But the second one is, the second interpretation is, if I've sinned, if I've done something in my past and I've asked and, and I haven't received the forgiveness, then again, the Lord will not hear. If I've actually haven't come to the Lord and I haven't received the forgiveness that I can have, then the Lord also will not hear. Because, see, everything we've done in the past can be given to the Lord. It can be forgiven because God is merciful, because He is just, and He delights in showing mercy. He delights in showing us mercy because in, in Micah 7, verse 18 to 19, He says, this is a prophet Micah, He says, Who is a God like you? pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in showing mercy. I want to ask you today, do you, do you walk in the mercy of God? Do you know the mercy of God that he's, he's quick to forgive, that he wants to show mercy over judgment, that he, he wants to just, he, he, he doesn't want you living in that place of guilt or shame or condemnation, where you are living under that dark cloud because of maybe the things you've done in the past. He wants you to walk in the freedom because Christ has bought that freedom for you. He's, he's purchased through His blood the liberty that you can have and that you can walk in. That those, all that guilt and that shame, that can be completely gone and healed because He's taken it on the cross. He's taken it on Himself so that we don't have to carry it. He's delivered us from it because, you know, God's mercy and His faithfulness, God's mercy is, mercy means we, we don't get what we deserve. We, we deserve judgment, but God shows mercy. Jesus sent to pay for our debt of sin we owed, but God, because of His mercy, He did that for us. And you may, I'm sp- speaking to you particularly today, if you're living in a place where you're bound by your past. That the, the past is coming up, and you're living in the past. The, those past mistakes. Winston Churchill said this. He said, "Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is courage to continue that counts. It's courage that counts." In in the book of Joshua, God repeatedly tells Joshua. You know everything he was going to face, and he. If you read the book book of Joshua, he he faced challenges. He he made mistakes, and God forewarns him almost. He's, he's he keeps affirming to him in the first chapter. I think it's like three times in the first chapter. He says, "Be courageous, be strong and courageous. Don't lose that courage, because when we lose when we lose that actual courage, that's when we start." falling that's when we start not wanting to move forward we can't move forward because we've lost courage it's so important that in in the face of whatever it is the circumstances that maybe go before us as time goes on that we actually don't lose our courage because in in proverbs 24 verse 16 
And this is a great scripture. It says, for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. So you and I, we are righteous men and women. We're going to get back up. It's by the grace of God we can turn to him for his mercy and forgiveness. We no longer have to walk in those past mistakes. We can actually walk in the freedom that Christ has bought for us. We can actually, yes, we might fall down in the future. It says there that a righteous man may fall. So we may fall again, but you're gonna, God's going to pick you back up because that's what he wants to do. He wants to pick you up in his mercy. He wants to pick you up in, your, in his faithfulness. And he wants to deliver you and he wants you to put you back on that treadmill so you start walking again. Amen? Amen. And I want to tell you that God actually responds to faith. He responds to faith in the midst of failures. Because I spoke about Sarah earlier and I, and I explained you know everything that she had gone through she had doubt she had unbelief she lied so all these things they could have held her they could have held her bound and for us today there's things that may now are holding you or in the future that's why I'm preaching this message so they don't hold you but there's things that can actually hold us bound and Sarah was in a place that she could have been bound. She could have allowed those things to give her her identity, like, I'm a failure, I'm never going to succeed. But I want to tell you, this is the beauty of the Scriptures. In Hebrews 11, if you turn there, in Hebrews 11, actually, if you're not there, don't turn there, because I'm going to read one Scripture, and I want you to hear it. Hebrews 11, 11, by faith. This is the hall of faith. Chapter 11. Sarah is mentioned in there, and it begins with, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. It begins with faith. After everything that she had done and encountered, the author of Hebrews describes Sarah as a faithful woman. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive. And it says, that she goes on that when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. So God, God sees the good. He chooses to see the good. He doesn't choose to see the mistakes we've made. We shouldn't either. It's, it's our faith that's going to hold us. It's our faith that keeps us. It's the faith and our hope in Jesus that is going to keep us up. It's going to keep us going and enduring to the end. That's what hope is. That's what faith is. That's such a blessed scripture. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. See, our lives, our lives, regardless of what happens from this point forward, we're called, again in Hebrews, how to live in Chapter 10, verse 38, it says, Now the just, that's you and I, we're just, we've been justified by Jesus. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. See, we're going to live by faith. Faith is not an event. It's a lifestyle. The just shall live by faith. The only way we have life is when we live by faith. Faith is... In Jesus, faith in the promises, faith in God. If we just will allow God to be God, 
and we just come to him by faith, he's going to do it. That covenant that he made with Jesus, it's no longer if you do it, if you do it. He says, I will. That covenant, the, the promise that God made with Jesus when he went to that cross, that the new covenant that was, that new contract that was written, from that point, God said, I will do it. I will do it. All the promises are fulfilled in Jesus. They are, they are our inheritance. They are us to receive. We don't have to walk in that condemnation or that guilt or that shame. We don't have to walk according to whatever we've experienced in the past because God desires that we live according to faith and by faith. And you know, sometimes that's going to be hard to do. Sometimes that's not easy to do. But in, in 1 Kings when Elijah, see, God said to Elijah, go to Ahab, which was one of the kings. And he said, basically, tell him that there's no rain's going to come. So he prayed and there's no rain. So the rain, it said, stopped for about three and a half years or so. It stopped because he prayed. God gave him the word and he prayed and it stopped. And then later on, he comes back to him three or so years later and he says, to Ahab again, all right, I'm going to pray now and it's going to rain. So he had the promise. He had the promise of God and he's up there. It's in 1 Kings 18 verse 41. Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink for there is a sound of abundance of rain. This is he's speaking to the king. So Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. So he's, he's speaking to his servant. He's saying, Elijah's saying to his servant, go up and tell me, what do you see? Is, there, is the rain coming? God's promised me, I've prayed. I'm praying right now. Is, is, is it coming? And he, sent, he comes back and he says, there is nothing. And then he says, and seven times he said, go again. So he kept praying. He kept, he kept praying in faith. He remained in faith. He, he said, go, go again. He saw, he saw nothing. And sometimes we, we need the faith and we, keep, we need to rise up and go again. Maybe you're in that place today where you need to pick yourself up, arise and, and go again. Just like Elijah said to the servant, go again. We need that faith, to, that place where we remain in faith that God is faithful. And we need to pick ourselves up and actually declare that we're going to go again. That we're actually not going to, we're not going to live according to the circumstances. We're not going to walk according to what we see in the natural. We're actually going to stand on the faithfulness and the mercy of God. We're going to pick ourselves up. We're going to declare of our lives, go again. We're going to, we're going to remain and we're going to stay and keep ourselves in faith. Because sometimes that's all we have. Things may not seem like they should. That cloud should have been there. God promised maybe first time he prayed, but it wasn't. The second time it wasn't there. The third time it wasn't there. The fourth time it wasn't there. But I want to tell you, God's faithful. And it says the seventh time that he said there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. So God was so faithful. God was so faithful to answer that man's prayer. And he's faithful for us today because, you know, God's given us promises. Jesus, those, those promises through the covenant for us today that we can actually lay hold of, that we can actually walk in the freedom that Christ has bought for us, that he shed his blood for, that everything that he received, everything, that all the suffering he received for us, that, that is for us today to lay hold of. 
He was struck. He was beaten so we could be healed. Every, every provision has been made through Jesus. So I want to I close now, but I want to pray for anyone here who, who actually has not been walking in the fullness of God. You've been walking with that cloud. That cloud, it's got that guilt in it. It's got the shame. It's got the condemnation. It's the things that are, that are coming up. They're rising up and they're visiting us. And we, we seem to be in that place where maybe we can't move. And we, we feel like, I haven't confessed it enough. I need to confess more. I need to, maybe God didn't hear me the first time. I need to confess it again. And we, we go in this spiral and it's this, this, you know, that spiral. We just do the same thing over and over. Maybe that's you today. I want to pray that God actually lifts that off you today, that you actually come in that liberty that Christ has purchased, that he actually breaks through, that he lifts that cloud off your life. And going forward, that whatever is going to come our way, that proverb I read out before, it says the righteous man might fall, but he's going to get up again. He's going to get up again because, you know, we got the power of the Holy Spirit. That was part of the new covenant. God said, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to change you from the inside out. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to do. So we have the grace, but we also have the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I want to, I want to lift up every person right now. Lord, you, you've done it all. Well, Lord, we come before you. Lord, we were broken. We were broken and you healed us, Lord, in our sin. We came before you and you saved us, Lord. You gave us your precious gift of faith, Lord. You gave us your grace, your mercy, your salvation, Lord. You gave us forgiveness, Lord. And that wasn't in vain. Lord, you've done it so that we could be free, so that we could walk in liberty, so that we could praise you, so we could worship you, so we could bear testimony of your goodness and your mercy. And Lord, I want to lift up every person right now, Lord, that has struggled in the past, Lord, where the, maybe the enemy or themselves, they put themselves under guilt. They've carried, Lord, guilt and shame. Lord, I'm asking right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would come and you would break through, you would lift off right now in the name of Jesus Christ, all shame, all guilt, Lord, where there's condemnation, I'm asking right now, it'd be completely destroyed. Lord, I'm asking today, Lord, you would give us a revelation, a greater revelation of what you've done, Lord Jesus, through the cross, Lord, what you've done through your death and resurrection for us, Lord, through the shedding of blood, Lord, everything that you've done for us, everything, Lord, you've done in the new covenant for us. I'm asking, Lord, you would open up our eyes to see and give us greater revelation of what you've done for us today, Lord, where we don't know your love. I'm asking, Lord, that you would release, Lord, your love to us, Lord. It would be revelation, Lord. I thank you that you have released it to us. You've shed it abroad in everyone's heart by the Holy Spirit. I'm asking, Lord, it would be real to us, Lord. I'm asking for a greater revelation of our identity and a greater revelation of your love for us. Father, I'm asking right now, Lord, every person who's stuck in a pit, Lord, every person, Lord, that has had their plan and their journey, Lord, aborted, I'm asking right now, Lord, that you would come and you would lift them up, Lord. You would put them back on that track, Lord. You would put them back in their place, Lord, in your will. Lord, you would move them forward. Father, I ask right now, I declare liberty over every life today. Lord, where people have been bound, where people have been laid hostage by their thoughts, I'm asking right now, Lord, you would come and you would renew them. Lord, renew them in the spirit of their mind. I'm asking right now, Lord, for healing of hearts, healing of minds. I'm asking right now, Lord, that you 
would touch every person's life here today, Lord, afresh. As we go today, Lord, there would be a breakthrough in our thinking, Lord. We would know, Lord Jesus, Lord, that you are highly lifted up, that you have purchased everything. Lord, you've done it. You've finished it. Lord, you said it is finished. You said the work is done. Lord, I declare, Lord, your perfect and finished work, Lord Jesus, over every person here today as they go. Lord, I declare your liberty be released over every life. Lord, I declare right now breakthrough. I declare breakthrough. I declare healing. Lord, I declare, Lord, they shall go again. Lord, your people, Lord, they shall arise today. Lord, they shall go again. They shall walk by faith. They shall walk, Lord, trusting and knowing that you are good, that you are faithful, that you are merciful. Lord, I commit every person here to you. Lord, we just declare we trust you. And Lord, you are all we need. You are all we need, Lord. Father, preserve us and sustain us by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.